Pastor, a couple weeks ago, um, he lost his father, and the, that, that Sunday, you know, he spoke about um, Christ, seeing Christ in us as a result of our difficulty. And um, that just got my wheels turning because I knew that I was going to have to do this in a few weeks. And so I wanted to sort of um, tag on to what, he, to what he did, ride his coattails into something here this morning. Um, what God is saying to the church today. Uh, I think we have some scriptures back there. I'm going I'm to be read, reading from Isaiah um, chapter 6. Might be familiar to some of you. Um, verse 1 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated high on a lofty throne, and his robe filled the temple. Seraphim were standing above him. Each one had six wings. With two, they covered their face. Two covered his feet. And with two, they flew. And one called to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. His glory fills the whole earth. The foundations of the doorways shook at the sound of their voices, and the temple was filled with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips and live among a people of unclean lips. And because my eyes have seen the King and the Lord of hosts, then one of the seraphim flew to me, and in his hand a glowing coal that he had taken from the altar with tongs and touched my mouth, and with it said, Now that he has touched your lips, your wickedness is removed, and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who should I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. And he replied, Go, say to these people. So, I'd heard that, you know, all different sermons growing up and whatnot, but I was kind of curious about the context of what was happening at the time that this was penned in the Scripture. And first of all, we can sort of pull from it that it's the year that Uzziah died. And Uzziah was, um, he was a king, very godly. He was one of the most godly kings from the time of David. So, when he died, this threw the nation into, uh, they, they were shaken because this was somebody loved and, and adored by the people. And at the same time, the kingdom of the north was dealing with the kingdom of Assyria, which, and they would eventually be taken into captivity. So, this was a time of shaking. And yet, in the middle of this time, Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up, seated on a throne above and amidst a temporary crisis. And similar to this time, I believe that what's transpiring today is a circumstantial shaking. A circumstantial shaking of the world around us. If you look at the last couple years, you'd see the instability, the craziness of everything that has happened the unknowns, the difficulty, the division that has transpired as a result of it. And yet, there is a people, here included, who still hear the song, Holy, 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 the whole earth is filled with His glory. Just like Isaiah heard it in his time, we as the church, the ones who are following after a relationship with God, can hear that being, being sung in the heavens as well. 
And the fact is, is that we know that Isaiah, during the time of turmoil, he didn't literally see the earth filled with glory. Everything around him was in dismay, and yet the declaration of heaven, the declaration of the angels was that the whole earth is filled with his glory. God is looking for a people this morning that can see the glory of the Lord bigger than the problems and the shaking of what's around them. So that was one thing. Isaiah also says, because of the glory of the Lord, because the power of the Lord, that his robe or his, or his glory, that was uh, a type of his glory, filled the temple and it shook the foundations of the doorways of the temple. So not only was there a circumstantial shaking that was transpiring in their world with, with kingdoms invading and a beloved king dying, but it says that the church itself was shaken. The church of their day was shaken because of the glory of God. So here's what I think happened over the past years. Because of the circumstantial shaking, I think that the enemy was able to work his way in amongst the body and take advantage of the situation. For many, the enemy was able to come in and shake the very place of refuge that they would go to on a Sunday. Not for everyone, but for many, the enemy was hoping that these circumstances would come in and divide us. But here we are, and here God's church is moving forward. So we see that there, the circumstantial shaking of the world, not just that, but the enemy sh attempting to come in and take advantage of the of this situation. Alongside of that, we can also, I can also feel, and I think some of you can too, that the Lord, not just the enemy, but the Lord is shaking his church too. And it's important to be able to differentiate between all of these. What is circumstantial? What is, just, what is just life? What is happening around us? What is the enemy? What does it look like when the enemy comes in and tries to divide and shake us? And then what, how sensitive are we to his shaking and, and maybe adjusting what we need to do? So I think that despite what we can see or hear or read, we live in a country and a world that is desperate for a Messiah, desperate for a Savior, a nation that is longing under the weight of sin, the weight of division and brokenness, the weight of sickness. And in all of this, God is preparing and equipping and shaking the church to be a representation of Jesus to this generation a representation. Because the truth is, the Jesus that this world thinks they know is not an accurate representation of his true nature. Can I get an amen? amen. Jesus has been misrepresented by the majority of modern religion. He is longing to show himself as he really is to this world, and we as the body of Christ are the ones who strive, you know, the ones who strive to have a real relationship with him are the ones who can make this happen. He is shaking his church along with all the other shaking in the world because he is passionate and he wants his bride to represent himself to a nation that has an improper view of him.
He is saying, I want to show myself to the broken and hurting who I really am. I want to show myself to the systems of America who I really am. I want to show myself to the child in the foster home who I really am. And I want to reveal myself in the midst of racial tension and division who I really am. Not what religion says, but who God really is, who Jesus really is. What does he really think about these situations in in America? He is longing that we would help pull back that curtain that prevents this world from seeing him as he truly is. Yes, I'm glad to be a part of this. God, thank you, Lord. Because when they see who he really is, when they see his true nature, not the religious interpretation of a scripture, when they see his true nature, I believe they're going to see the greatest outpouring of his spirit in this country, in this world that we have ever seen. I grew up in this, and I don't feel that there's any other way that this kind of thing could have happened. You know, do, do we honestly feel like someone was going to get up and preach a message that was just going to change the way that the world viewed Christ? You know, or somebody, was somebody going to write a song that would just unite unite all of Christianity and we would just move forward because of that? Or some kind of program... I don't believe it, but I, I remember hearing about that latter-day rain. I don't know if anyone else remembers that, you know, just there were songs about, you know, God's going to send a revival, and He is, but it's not going to be this wake-up scenario one day and wonder, how did we get here? It's not the way it's going to be. It's the shaking of this world and the church, just like happened in the book of Isaiah, that will bring about a representation of his true nature, and with that will come a modern outpouring of the Spirit. So why do we think that he needs to be presented again or represented in this world? It's, in, it's easy to think that the world and some of the news that we consume, that, God is, or that, that the world is anti-Jesus. But it's more like they're resistant to religion. I believe they are longing for a Savior, and the many, rep- the, many, the many manifestations and brokenness and hurt that we've witnessed are simply a cry for a solution and a Savior. God is raising up and shaking His church in this hour to be there when the world continues to be shaken, because I think there has been a tipping point where I don't, I don't know if, if we're going to go back to maybe the way things were entirely. We can hope, but things have definitely turned a corner. Um, So let's look at the life of Jesus because he is, he is, um, we can look at his life, especially in, in the Gospels, and we can see this exact thing manifest in that time, and I believe it, it is uh, relevant to today. So we, we can see that he faced many of the same battles that we face today with regards to the fact that he was misrepresented. His nature was misrepresented when he arrived on the scene. 
Think about the time that he came to earth. The religious leaders of that day and the religious culture was like a fortified city. Surrounded by walls made of laws, made of rules and regulations. They considered, the, the, the nation of Israel considered themselves to be keepers of the law. On top of that God-given law, they added many more laws on their own. They were stewards of the truth. They're stewards of a relationship with God in that time. And yet the outside world, the Gentiles, as they were called in the day, had no relationship or access to him. It was just Israel. And those Gentiles were left wondering if there was a Messiah for them. Is, any, is anyone there for us? And so they looked at Israel. They looked at them through the religious hypocrisy, and they saw a people that would defend the laws and the truths, but never did they encounter a people who reflected a God of compassion, a God of love, a God of acceptance. Israel had become a walled city, keeping the world out and their traditions and truths safe inside. Israel was not a representation of God's true nature. And here's what we need to be aware of. If we're not careful, as Christians in a modern day, we can become that same walled city, becoming defenders of our truths, becoming defenders of our truths rather than a living example of His truth. We can become defenders of a religious belief rather than being truth and belief in action. Sometimes with our religious walls, it can seem as if we're saying, you can join us, but you can only join us if you can get into our walled city. And meanwhile, there's a people hungry for a savior, and all they see around them is religion. So the book of Mark is interesting. We'll just take a look at the first chapter quickly. And it's important to know that the book of Mark, you know, each book was written to a different audience, and this matters when you read it. Um, it matters because they wrote, they wrote things they wrote for a reason. And we look at the, when you look at this fact that he's writing to a non-Jewish, a Gentile audience, you can see immediately that he's writing with a purpose. And I believe that purpose was to represent the nature of God, who is not just a Messiah of Israel, but who is the Messiah of every nation. He is the Savior of everyone who calls on his name. And so Mark starts the book right out of the gate with a bang. Within the first chapter, the first 20 verses, he's already begun gathering disciples, you know, where some of the other gospels, they tell a story leading up to the birth of Christ and stuff. Mark is writing to the Gentiles. Immediately, he's talking about gathering disciples. He's already started his ministry. And immediately, he begins to tell of the power and the miracles of Jesus. Why? To make a point that the Father has been misrepresented for hundreds, if not thousands of years, into a, gener into a Gentile nation, they, they didn't even know that it was possible. So Mark 1, uh, let's see, 
just verse 21, they went into Capernaum, and right away he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath, began to teach, and they were astonished at his teaching because unlike the scribes, he was teaching them as one having authority. Then a man with an unclean spirit was in their synagogue, cried out, what do you have to do with us, Jesus Nazarene? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him and said, be quiet and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsed him, shouted with a loud voice, and came out of him. Then they were all amazed, and so they began to argue with each other, saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even unclean spirits, and they obey him. And news about him then spread throughout the entire vicinity of Galilee. Extremely relevant to today. Jesus walks into a synagogue. That sounds like a joke. <laughs> he walks into the synagogue. He walks into the church of his day. And there is no solution for someone who needs deliverance. God arrives to find a man possessed with demons in the church. And there's no help for him. There's no solution for the demonic hold on his life. And yet he walks in, and in one simple sentence, he sets the man free. He leaves the crowd in complete astonishment, saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority. And in a matter of minutes, he sets the stage right off the gate in, in the book of Mark and begins to represent himself to the nation. To, his, to that walled religious system, a system that was completely ignorant of the true nature of God. All they had was their tradition. And he begins to pull back the curtain and says, let me show you what the Father is really like. And he immediately shows that the enemy and the demonic are nothing for him. He then transitions into another account in verse 29, where it says, as soon as they left the synagogue... They went into Simon and Andrew's house, and with James and John, Simon's mother-in-law was lying in a bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. So we went to her, took her by the hand, raised her up. The fever left, and she began to serve them. When evening came, after the sun had set, they began bringing him the sick, all those who were sick and all those who were demon-possessed. The whole town was assembled at the door, and he healed many who were sick with the various diseases drove out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. So again, Jesus walks onto a scene, and there is no solution for sickness. When was the last time in Israel that someone had been healed? It just didn't happen. He walks in and says, my father has been misrepresented. This time he didn't even say a word. He just takes her by the hand, and she's immediately healed. And what happens next? The crowd begins to gather because there is now a healer and a deliverer in Israel. For the first time in, in years and years and years, the world begins to see the Father as the healer he really is. Verse 40, third account, a man walks in with a serious skin disease, leprosy came to him on his knees, begged him, if you are willing, can you make me clean? Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. I am willing, he told him, be made clean. And immediately the disease left him and was healed. 
there was no more marginalized group of people in the day than the leper, those who had leprosy. No more group that was rejected and ostracized. This, this man was the rejected of the rejected. He is feared. He is isolated. He is the victim of extreme prejudice. I mean, they, would, they, would keep, they weren't allowed to, to even go near the city. They, they had their camps, and they just stayed, they stayed there. And yet, when Jesus is asked, if you are willing, Jesus has moved with compassion and says, I am willing. Yeah. He defies the religious culture and represents himself to this man. To the, to the man and to a group of people who had an incorrect view of God. Now think about this. The question itself reflects the misrepresentation of the Father. The question itself reflects the cultural lie of what God is really like. He says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And I especially like in uh, verse 41 of the NIV, Jesus replies and it says, he is indignant moved with compassion, indignant thinking, saying, who do you think I am? What do you think the Father is really like? What have they told you about me? This is, this is, this is the thinking of the day that he is just defying in a few sentences and totally changing the way that the Father is viewed. He says, he says in so many words, don't you know that there is love in my Father's house? There's compassion for the most ostracized, marginalized, rejected amongst you. Don't you know that I'm looking for a chance to prove my love for my children? If I'm willing, you don't know the Father at all. Let me show you what he's really like. Let me represent the Father to you. And in one phrase, the man walks away whole and free of his leprosy. He does what nobody would do, not even the Jews, the religious, the religious leaders. Not only does he heal him, but he actually touches him, which was a no-no. I mean, that was, that was big time. He touches him, and not only is he healed of the physical sickness, but in that same touch, Jesus heals his stigma, the stigma that pushed him aside and outside of society, Jesus takes that away and invites him back in. His actions again speak, I am not who they say I am. In, verse, or in chapter 2, there's one final account that I, I wanted just to touch on quick. Some of you may know the account of the paralyzed man in Israel, this is, I don't know what the time frame is, but it's recent. Not recent. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, right, it's close to the, the previous account. He's, uh, Jesus is on a healing spree. And uh, there's a paralyzed man in Israel need, in need of healing. And he's heard now at this point that there is a healer in Israel. So his friends find out where Jesus is at. And because they can't get into the house where he's at, they tear a hole in the roof and they lower him down. And in verse 5 of Mark 2, it reads, 
seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. And I think you can probably tell where this is going because it wasn't as simple as that. What happens next? The religious leaders of the day in verse 7 say, why does he speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus says again in so many words, who have you made my father out to be? You have misrepresented the heart and the nature of my father. My father who removes sin as far as the east is from the west. Verse 10, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I tell you, get up, pick up your mat, and go home. Immediately he got up, he picked up the mat, and he went out in front of everyone. And as a result, they were all astounded and gave glory to God, saying, we have never seen anything like this before. And I love this. I just love that part. We have never seen anything like this. And that is what God is calling us to be, church. We have never seen anything like this. Jesus was once again successful in representing the fact now that there is forgiveness in Israel, that the Father is a loving, forgiving, merciful Father. He is not who, he is not who you've been told he is. And so Jesus begins and he continues to pull back the curtain and tell the Father or tell the world that the Father has been misrepresented. Let me show you what he's really like. He's a healer. There's a deliverer now in Israel. There's someone who restores health, who restores the rejected and the forgotten. There's now forgiveness of sin. And Mark writes all of these things immediately in the opening verses of the letter to a Gentile church, to a group of people sitting outside of the covenant of God wondering, is there a Messiah for us? Is there a healer for us? Is there forgiveness for us? I'm a Roman. Is there, is there a Messiah for me? I'm a Samaritan. Is there a healer for me? I've got sickness in my life today. Is there a healer for me? I'm addicted and I'm in, I'm in need of forgiveness. Is there a Messiah for me? And Mark with the same passion that Jesus had to represent the true nature of God himself to Israel, says there is a Messiah for everyone who calls on his name. A Messiah for everyone who calls on his name. So why don't you stand now? Um, you know, if you're, if you're new in the faith or you haven't made a step towards him, there's a really good chance that you have some misrepresentations, some misconceptions about God. Maybe you're a little bit or you're a lot skeptical about who he is or what he can do or maybe what you've even seen here in, in the worship. And we want you to know that there is a Savior, there is a healer, there is a forgive, there is someone who can forgive sin. He has been misrepresented to so many out there and it is, it is our job as someone who calls on the name of the Lord, not just who attends a, a Sunday service, not somebody who, you know, calls themselves a Christian because of maybe family history, but somebody who is following after the voice of God and is in lockstep and fellowship with a group of people who are doing the same thing. Um, you know, maybe you have asked some of that, those same questions that were 
outlined in the book of Mark. You know, is there a healer? Is there a deliverer? Is there a father for me? Is there restoration or forgiveness for me? And I am here to testify to you, as well as so many people in this room who could do it, that there is, there is in this place today. God wants to represent himself to you this morning. And for, for the rest of you who have been here a while, and this is, this is something that you live, why don't you, you know, I, let's, we'll just gather around the front this morning and let's pray that he would open doors in our daily walk to, to represent him and his true nature to those around us. Because I think that's, like I said, that is, that is what it all boils down to, is that we would be able to represent his nature. You may have seen, you know, you may have seen something about Christianity or some of the, maybe the bigotry or the hatred that's on the news, but that's not the nature of Christ, and that's not how he wants to be presented to this world. So, Father, I just pray today, Lord, that you would release courage amongst us, Lord, over every person here, Lord, every mom, dad, every student, family, every single, Lord, that we would just rise with courage in this hour to shake off the discouragement, Lord, to not get caught up in the static, in the conversation that can be a misrepresentation of who you really are but to rise to a heavenly place, the same place that Isaiah saw where the angels sang, holy is the Lord, and the whole earth is full of your glory. Lord, let us be a people to rise above and sing a different song that's being sung out there to declare the truth of what the Messiah is really like. Lord, give us the grace to unveil your nature and to pull back the curtain and show who you really are. Let us realize that it's not that difficult. It's just living the gospel in every area of our daily life. It's having a moment of courage. It's not, it's not changing maybe our whole direction, but seeing an opportunity and having enough courage in the moment to open our mouths or to take a kind action. So, just, Lord, we just ask right now for courage in the place. Lord, release it here at Gateway. Release it in your church. Lord, let it emerge from our lives like never before. Let it emerge like never before, Lord. And we look to the hope of representing your nature to those around us. So just as we sing, why don't, why don't you come down if you need prayer? Um, there's, there's ones here that will come up and we can pray with you. Lord, just help us to have the courage to represent your nature to those around us. And if you haven't got to that step to the point where, where you need to, re, where you're able to even get like that, know that there is what you need in him this morning and we can help pray in the name of Jesus.